either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Everybody, you're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. And uh, I'm I'm Sean, still Sean, uh, your host for the show, uh, where I get to have fun looking at different topics related to operationalizing security in the business and uh, how do you build successful programs and teams and processes and tooling and communications and all the stuff that goes with it to uh, to help protect the revenue the company generates and hopefully help them generate some more as well. And uh, yeah, sometimes posts inspire me, sometimes people inspire me, uh, sometimes events inspire us at ITSB Magazine. So this is part of our event coverage for Black Hat Europe in the EU, of course. And uh and my guest, Alan Stott, kind of kind of fits the fits the mold of all of that. Uh, an event, cool dude, and, and a topic that's uh, that I think I'm going to geek out on today. <laughs> I, I often don't get to geek out. Um, I'm usually up at the business or uh, the operations level, but I think we're going to get into some nitty gritty stuff today, which is going to be fun. Alan, thanks for thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into your session, I'm just going to I'm going to read the name of your session at. Black Hat Europe. Uh, it's how I learned to stop worrying and build a modern detection response program. So that'll keep people waiting uh, for all the all the good stuff here. Not that your background isn't good, but uh, let's tease in a little bit. Uh, what, what's what's your? You don't have to name companies or anything, but describe what you do and uh, what excites you about it, and maybe a little bit about uh, your journey to that point. How did you land in that spot? Um, yeah, sure. So to, today I do, um, I do the fun things. I do incidents and threat detection. So uh, I like to tell people that generally speaking, my days are full of excitement and they're often people's worst day. Um, and uh, I'm okay with that. So you have to be a bit of a special person to really love incident response. And I guess I'm that person. Um, I've been doing detection response for the last 10 plus years, um, but I started my career actually more on the offensive red team side of things. So um, I did a lot of stuff, pen testing, did a little bit of security research. And um, when I was a red teamer, I got to see lots of blue teams fail um, a lot. And uh, so when I got the opportunity to switch over to the blue team, because uh, I thought, oh, I could do that so much better, right? You go out and you're, you're doing these pen tests. 
as I say, the grass is always greener. It's probably not the right analogy, but <laughs> things always look more funner. How can they can't figure that out? <laughs> Maybe it's not the grass is always greener. It's just right. uh, I could take so much better care of that lawn. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to watch. I got to you know, switch over then to, to do blue team stuff. And uh, I think what, uh, you know, when you're, a pen tester and you're coming in for like, you know, a, a very like set time or engagement. Um, you know, you don't have, you have just that engagement. And I, I always equate this to like, you know, the bad guys, like, you know, when they're, they're attacking, like they're focused on this, they come in, they show up, it's, you know, it's a job essentially. And they go and they put in their hours and on the blue team side of things, we do defense, but we also work for a business. So we go to meetings, and we figure out planning and we do budgets and uh you know it's just it's a lot of, it's like you don't you're not constantly making progress against the threats right um, yeah, there's there are mbos <laughs> mbos in there yes hopefully some time off as well so you don't burn out <laughs> but uh, yeah lot, lots of real world ex uh elements in in the world of business for sure um so I love that. And I know you do a lot. You do some stuff with B sides too, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I decided I wanted to give a talk this year. I've um, actually never given a talk until this year. And then I've given talks at 12 different conferences this year, I think is the number. And so I've gotten to speak at uh, lots of different B sides across uh, the U S and then I was in Singapore um, for their B-sides. And then I've also gotten to speak at the Diana Initiative, which I'd never been to, but it's, if you're, if you're doing the hacker summer camp, it's the first one. And then there's B-sides Las Vegas and off it goes from there. Yeah. That's a good group. I know Marco, uh, had a chance to chat with him for, uh, yeah. Hacker summer camp, 2020 three in Vegas, which is a few months back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always a good group. They're, they do a lot of good stuff for, uh, for everybody, which is important. Um, all right. So I, I want to maybe kind of start eye level and you had this, you had this phrase as we, uh, as we were putting this together. Um, and it's part of your title as well, as well. You said, how, how I learned to st stop worrying is, is your title. Um, but then you also note that how worrying can be a superpower. So to me, that says, go ahead and worry, recognize it, embrace it, and then set it aside and, and use whatever inspiration or adrenaline or whatever it is. Yeah, that's, right. that's my take on it. But I, I'd love to hear what, what all this means to you mm -hmm. in the context of blue teaming and detection response and, I don't know. Does it apply to red team as well? Oh, I'm sure it does. Um, I would say first and foremost, worrying applies to me uh, because uh, I'm a dad. And so uh, having a, a kid and, and being a worrier, I think, I think parents resonate with the, the idea that you're constantly thinking about what could go wrong. The worry, the worry level just rises and stays there. And then it, it's a whole new threshold, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and on 
blue team, that's, you know, that's, that's what we do. We, we worry, we think about what, what things could go wrong. We think about um, all the different, uh, all the different ways that like the defenses that we put in the place, like could be, uh, could be bypassed. Um, When I was thinking about worry, when I was putting this talk together, I was, you know, just, Sometimes, you know, you put something into Google search. I like to put something into Google Scholar because, you know, you, you might really find something interesting. Um, and I put worrying in there. And I found this really cool paper out of the University of California, Riverside. It's called uh, The Surprising Upsides of Worry. And uh, in this paper, they argue that obviously worrying at extreme levels definitely has negative outcomes but that worry has a really cool upside um, in that it keeps something at the front of your mind and is a reminder that you are trying to prevent something, an undesirable outcome. Um, and it, it just kind of lingers there. And the, the talk is called How I Learned to Stop Worrying because uh, you want to address that worry. You want to take action and uh, yeah, that's 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 how the that's how the worrying played in there. Besides being a, just a, a really great uh, Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a cool word and makes you it makes you pause for a moment, right? Um, that's real. It's a feeling, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. at the end of the day, we are humans. I was actually. Uh, chatting with uh, the team at NIST and they have a whole team dedicated to human centered uh, cybersecurity rooted in research and studies and academia. And so I love that you, you pulled on this thread of out of UCR um, some research that studied worrying and, and how, how it looks right. I haven't read the paper of course, but, but then to use that, for your talk as a, as an inspiration or as a, perhaps even some, some details within it is super cool. And, uh, if they're listening, I'm sure they're going to, they're going to be applauding and <laughs> the sidelines here. Um, so I, yeah, so I love that introduction. And I guess I think the next point we w- wanted to touch on maybe was why blue teams failed, but before we get there, um, I'd love your perspective. It's hard for me to stay on top of all the changes over time. And so I'd love for you, excuse me, to paint a picture of detection and response. I know there's a whole market category of XDR and, and of course you have SIM and SOAR and threat intelligence and all this stuff that kind of comes together to to help with all that stuff. Can you paint a picture for everybody of what you're talking about in this context, that'd be, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to be in this field for a little bit. So I've kind of gotten to see uh, how, how things have evolved. Um, and I, you know, I did a lot of uh, non-security IT work before I did security work. And so I got to see from a distance, like the kind of creation of this thing that we call the security operations center and, um, 
I was uh, a, a sysadmin, and uh, we never let those guys do anything. We would we'd be like, no, 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 you're not having those. those uh, we're not giving you root access to that system. We're sorry. Um, so <laughs> watching, uh, watching it evolve from being this thing where I think, you know, essentially it was a group that inherited some of the some of the like newer security tech things like at the time, like IDS and antivirus. And like, they were, you know, if, if, if the net, if the net end group let them, maybe the firewalls, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, get, kind of move into this, this field where we're, it incorporates everything from threat intel and understanding like what type of threats that the, the business that we protect and then just a general industry that we're in is being targeted for to building and tuning the things that we know are specific to the environment that we're in that an attacker might want to uh, gain access to or steal and then having strong processes and automation and tooling that let you do that triage that investigation that response um and then this idea that uh detection and response has to kind of be like grouped all together and like kind of centrally held together by this um uh like this this constant like almost a a, a drumbeat of like here's here's what we're actually seeing to the rest of the organization so like I, I'm a little biased. I've been in detection and response for a long time. So like I think it's the most important thing you could ever do. But um, informing like what controls that the organization's working on, uh, informing red teams on the type of simulations that we want to do against the rest of the organization, uh, and then even just like overall to the rest of the business, helping them understand not just like risk because risk is you know risk is it's it's a little bit wishy-washy sometimes You're talking to a risk guy here now because <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> somebody actually asked me after because i i, I talk about like um intel uh, intel driven detections and he's like oh well you know what do you think about like risk-based detections i was like risk is really i when i think about like intel and threats i think about like the, where risk is a hundred, you know? And so like, I'm really focused on the things that are a hundred percent happening right now. And the being able to tell the rest of the organization, like that these things are at risk, but actually like the risk is a hundred percent it's happened or it is happening as we speak. Um, and helping to like bubble that up to the rest of the org. It's maybe, <clears throat> I mean, risk is a, an analysis and a calculation of right. Probability of something bad happening and, perhaps the, the level of impact, your, your hundred percent probability, what's the impact? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah and and exactly. how do, how do we minimize that uh, fast? As yeah. Fast as possible. Yeah. Um, what, uh, let's talk about why teams are failing and, uh, I'm sure you have your own points that I'm wondering how some of the evolution has changed because and the reason I'm asking this this way is I, I feel that we continue to pump new technologies and tools and new ways of looking at things and the processes. And here's a new framework that helps you mm -hmm. kind of organize all that stuff, which 
presumably are designed to help. Um, but then if you're not prepared, if you don't have the, the skills in those, all of those areas, or you don't have the team to pull in all that scope, it could be overwhelming. So I don't know where things sit. So why I'm asking, um, my perception is some of that, but, and, and then of course, I, I, I presume you have some more deeper <laughs> analysis of, yeah, we just can't get our head wrapped around this or, or this, uh, <laughs> this, this Intel we're getting is not great or whatever it is. So uh -huh. the, the question, why are team blue teams failing? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll first say that I actually don't think it's, it's our, uh, the teams and their technical skills on them. Um, you know, I've gotten to work with a lot of people and I meet a lot of people, especially, um, doing all the different B sides. And I'm actually continuously impressed how, how smart of people are in this field. Like I'm actually a little intimidated. Like the first time I gave, uh, gave a talk at a B sides, I'm like, this is a room full of people that are way smarter than me. So this is, uh, this is exciting. I think that actually sometimes the problem is that we are so focused and honed in on the problems that we're solving. Um, so I've worked with like some of the most incredible people, really smart, and we would always figure out and accomplish how to like figure out a technical problem, how to get past, how to detect this threat that seemed like really difficult. But these were singular, one-off, very narrow way of thinking. And we didn't have this idea that the overall, you know, the first question you asked is like, what is detection and response? Like, we didn't really think about that. What is detection and response? What is a detection and response program? And we would really just work on our tasks and work on projects ad hoc. But we didn't have a bigger picture or a strategy in mind on how to get there. And I think that's why blue teams fail a lot because a lot of times uh, we're, you know, we're an operational, I'm in an, op, you know, I'm in an operational team. We're always busy. We're always busy. There's always things to do. And we get caught in this sick cycle where we're just constantly, you know, this next thing comes up, this next incident, this next new threat, this new report, this new Intel, and instead of taking a step back and thinking about where are we going and how are we going to get there in a reasonable amount of time that addresses the actual risk for the business through that risk. Love, <laughs> I love that. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm glowing now. Um, <laughs> this is a question I often ask uh, people who join me on my show, and I'm really interested to hear how you, how you respond. Um, Cause it's, it's a hypothetical for me. Um, cause I'm not in the sock. I'm not a CISO. I can only talk to as many people as I can who, who have these roles and do this cool work. Um, but I have this fantasy that people like you will see a trend in how the business was defined, built and deployed in the first place mm. that just has this unrealistic, unacceptable level of exposure. <laughs> right? That's, that's killing our uh, patch team. And, and your team is, is up all night uh, dealing with, with incidents in the same operating system uh, or the same apps all the time, because they weren't 
built and delivered and, and, and managed properly. So I have this fantasy that people like you can say, if you just go back and build this differently <laughs> or pick a different piece of the tech stack or, or get rid of collecting this data, uh, we won't have to deal with responding here or as much or as often or as quickly because it's going to have less impact. So is, is it fantasy or, or do you actually see any of that? Oh yeah. Um, I think we've gotten a lot better at, uh, so I would say historically detection response teams in the SOC have been really good at siloing our, our ourselves away from the rest of the organization. I've certainly been guilty of this. Um, and I think some of that stems from this idea that like we're trying to move fast and nothing's going to get our way. Like the threat actors, they're going fast. So we've got to go fast too. Um, but then by disconnecting from the business, we're not actually part of those conversations where new risks are being introduced that are going to make, you know, our lives more difficult or being part of the conversation about, well, we did it that way. And maybe it made sense at that time, but now that doesn't make sense. And so how can we, how can we solve that? I, I'm, I've been pretty fortunate that in all the organizations I've worked that, that threat detection response has always been part of like the conversation uh, within any sort of new major effort or project at the company. And so, you know, you have the folks there that are thinking about all the different preventative controls and how we can, you know, make smart security architecture decisions. Um, but then having a threat detection response person who's thinking about the type of incidents, thinking about the type of detections they're going to have to write for that is just really great to be part of that conversation and say, hey, so yes, that might work. It might work if we isolate that environment entirely but also uh, we won't be able to get any visibility out of that environment or uh, you know, just weighing those pros and cons. I think threat detection folks think maybe even differently from the folks that do security architecture. Uh, so I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a dream. I think we can, we can get there. Uh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's, um, I'm gonna. We're gonna get to your session in a minute. I'm gonna. I want to tease that out and and let people know who who should who should join you there for that uh, for that talk. Um, but I know you've you've done some work on a on a framework to mm -hmm. help teams. Can you can you share a little bit about that? Uh, what drove you to do that, and um, what kind of what kind of results are are you getting from having it available? Yeah. So I've been an engineer most of my career, uh, but I did a, uh, a, I shifted into a senior management position uh, for a previous role. And when I moved into that position, I realized that I needed to take a step back and think about that bigger picture. Think about what are the, all the activities that a threat detection response team needs to do and then thinking about what are the different capabilities that you would need, the technical capabilities that you would need to accomplish that. Um, and so the, the, the thing I realize now that I'm back in an engineer position is that having this understanding of what 
you're trying to do and the capabilities you're trying to get to are almost more important when you're an engineer because you're building those things and you're working on those things every day. And so it helps prioritize, but it also helps you have like a picture in your mind of like, this is what we're building and this is what we're trying to get to. Um, so the that's 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 where this this framework came from i had this opportunity to really build from almost nothing and then get to think about it in all of the different phases and when i thought about like building a detection and response program i took this uh i read a book again uh, that i wouldn't have normally read i read this book about organizational design and i will not uh, say it was a thrilling read. Um, and <laughs> I'm not a page turner. <laughs> not, no, no. For the right, not for the same reason that most people say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and I, I hopefully won't offend them by saying that, although I don't think our worlds intersect too too often. So uh, I don't think they'll be at my talk. But well, clearly it provided, gave you some value. In some yeah. Time. Yeah. So they they have this like, approach of how you build an organization and they have these phases and i uh, i borrow heavily from some of those of looking of, of how you approach looking at what you currently have and what does that mean for the organization that you need to build so understanding what your actual vision and mission currently is and how to shift that into this this modern you know, whatever you're trying to target. And so in our case, a, a modern detection response program. Um, and then that way, before you go into building, you already have a strong idea of what people you have, their skill sets, so that as you're selecting technical capabilities, when you're selecting tools, you know what training you're going to have to give them. And then also, you know, what they already are going to be able to do. And having this idea of like, um, of, of a target maturity of this is where we are today and here's how we can get to the next step in this organization. Um, and so I took a lot of, uh, be between thinking about um, building the program from new, having that opportunity, and then also having this, well, I'm building something new. People have built new, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be detection or response. Like, you know, we've been building new new teams and new organizations for a long time. Surely there's there's something to learn there. And I think uh, just having a uh, something to to start with before putting the framework together that that I took a lot of inspiration from that. I love it. Super cool. Super cool. I don't know if uh, that's public or not, but whatever, if, if it's shareable, uh, do share it. If not, they can talk to you and <laughs> learn more about it. Um, I do want to go in, in the few minutes we have left here kind of talk about your session. Again, it's how I learned mm -hmm. to stop worrying and build a modern detection response program. Um, kind of lay out the framework <laughs> for yeah, your sure. talk. What, uh, don't give anything away, but what, uh, what are some of the key points you hope to make and, and who are you telling those points to? Yeah. Target audience. So my target audience is, um, it could, the, this is, uh, and I've had, I've, I've gotten to speak to people in all of these different ones. And so that I can, I can say for a fact that I've heard people say, I enjoyed this, 
uh, about this. Uh, the one, the talk I'll give at Black Hat will be my best version of it, as there's a lot of stuff that I haven't talked about before at some of my other B sides talks. So that's kind of exciting for me to talk about some of the work we've been doing. Um, but uh, it, it could really be a, a CISO that wants to understand how to what does what is modern detection response. Like I know I have to have you know, an instant response team, but what are actually like all the, what, like how does it fit my overall security program? It could be the managers and directors that are building the processes, hiring the people that, that do this work and giving them a, uh, a roadmap for how to find those, like how to identify what skill sets you need based on what you're trying to build. And then the, you know, the, the builders, the people that uh, are configuring the stuff, that are writing the code, understanding how it all fits together. Um, the, the big takeaways from the talk are, um, one is very, uh, I would say, like, very manager focused in the beginning, especially where I, I talk a lot about, like, how do you figure out what your people need from you to move forward into this modern design. And then I talk a lot, the, the two really neat things that I build during the presentation is this view of how do, how do all these processes work together? How does threat intelligence need to connect to our triage and response processes? How does, how do we prioritize the work within this program? And then how do we report it out? And then um, it was a, originally an afterthought to when I was originally thinking about this talk. And uh, I was, I gave like a very early version of this at a conference and somebody said that should be like at least a quarter of it. And it's how do you evaluate and report on the success and failures of the program? How do you really tell people what you do and whether you're performing and then how do you sell it? Because the, you know, you're, you know, I do this talk and they talk about, you know, you, all these different processes and all these things you can do and all these technical capabilities and how the tools all fit together. And, you know, I can see people being like, oh, that'll never happen where I'm at. Like, I don't have a budget. <laughs> I don't have people. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is one of the reasons I was, uh, I mean, I love, I love the whole anything, anything connected to the SOC. Um, having built a SIM product in in yesteryear, uh, anything in there is of interest to me. But I've also, and I think I, I put a piece together uh, on my newsletter that businesses are what they call it transformation, right? Uh, businesses are transforming all over the place. Does, does cybersecurity get a shot at that at some point? <laughs> so, so when you had, I, I, I equate transformation to modernization. So the word modern here is what, what caught me as well. Because I do think it, and it's not just buying the latest and greatest yeah, technologies yeah. or getting the latest feed or five feeds instead of two. <laughs> that doesn't make it modern. Modern is thinking differently about it and applying new ways and new approaches, leveraging new frameworks. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe even redefining 
how to, like you said, measure and, and report out. Yeah. Um, if you if you switch those up from the beginning, you might end up in a very different spot that's much more powerful and meaningful. Where guess what, Alan? You might actually stop worrying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hope. <laughs> that's the hope. Well, this has been a, a fantastic chat. Um, Alan, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, I uh, I write a very infrequent newsletter. Um, right. uh, it's called Meowward, M-E-O-W-A-R-D dot co, com, whatever you want to put in there. Um, and uh, the, uh, yeah, I just hope folks can, folks are interested in coming to the talk. Uh, I like to say that, you know, for those that do incident response, especially, uh, there's a there's a moment that I, I always have with those folks where I, I say, you know, we're we talk about what we do and like how it stops and you know we we do this amazing work and then what we do is what we report is we just report our time to detect, our time to respond, and our time to contain, and we don't <laughs> say anything about the impact we're having to the business and right. what we need to change and where we need to go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been uh, a ton of fun. I uh, will include a link to your your newsletter so people can connect to that. Uh, so be sure to get me that, uh, meowward.com, uh, verbally there again. Um, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Build a Modern Detection Response Program uh, by Alan Stott, of course. It's Tuesday, December 7th, 1120. Uh, Black Hat Europe is December 4th through the 7th. Uh, the Excel London in England, of course. Um, sad I won't be there for that. Maybe next time I'll get to join you in person. Um, but if you're there, or you have a way to, uh, to to get get a chance to see this talk. I would encourage it. Uh, I mean, on the great topic, and it seems like you're doing some really good work there, Alan. So congratulations on the talk. Um, hopefully, hopefully you get some good good engagement in the session and uh, and. Yep, people can connect with you. Uh, LinkedIn will we'll share that as well for folks if they want to reach out to you there. So thanks again. Appreciate your time. And thanks, everybody, for uh, listening and watching. And hopefully you learned something new and, uh, and we made you think a little bit. And go see Alan. That's all I want to say there. So catch you later. Subscribe, share with your friends and enemies. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our on-location conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.